Welcome to another episode of Serve Denton Weekly, where every week we talk with the local leaders who are on the front lines of solving Denton's most pressing issues. I'm your host, Ian Harbour, and we've got a great conversation for you today on this special Veterans Day episode of Served It In Weekly. Today, I'm talking with David Jordan, the founder of a local nonprofit called We Got Your Six. We Got Your Six helps homeless veterans get back on their feet and reintegrate back into the community. David, the founder, is a former homeless veteran himself and is so passionate about this issue. It's genuinely inspiring. A little into the podcast, you'll hear some statistics that when I first read them, frankly, made my jaw drop. And I think it's going to make your jaw drop too. There's also a really great and tasty way that you can support We Got Your Six and help homeless veterans in our community, which you'll hear about towards the end of the episode. And me saying tasty will make a lot more sense, I promise. Okay, so let's hop into my conversation with David Jordan. Enjoy. So I'm here with David Jordan. David, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Yeah, so just to uh, get started here, tell us a little bit about We Got Your Six and what you do, why you started it, the story behind it. And then it might just be for me personally, but, you know, I'm, a, I'm not a military man. So what does We Got Your Six mean? Well, we, the term We Got Your Six actually has a very deep-rooted, long military history. The phrase We Got Your Six actually was coined by World War, World War I naval fighter pilots. Wow. Because when you're in the air, you don't have uh, topographical landmarks to be able to say where you're at or, you know, a position or anything. All you have is the sky. So they use the position of a clock. And six o'clock is directly behind you. So we got your six means I'm behind you. I've got your back. It came to be the turn that we know it now um, around the Vietnam Korea Vietnam era um, when we started doing a lot of more uh, platoon movements and saying somebody's covering the rear somebody's covering the six and when we were trying to come up with a name for our organization we wanted it to be something that was going to be powerful meaningful that every veteran would be able to understand, comprehend, and get behind. And, you know, our program was actually started five years ago, August 12th of 2015, because five years ago, I actually was a homeless veteran and almost committed suicide. Mm. Because I ended up homeless. I'd been homeless for a few months and experienced the system and the breakdown of the system and experienced it all firsthand really opened my eyes up to a new world and seeing how this system was broken in a lot of different ways. And I was lucky enough to have a family member help me out and get me off the streets. But it took probably about six months for me to get my head out of my fourth point of contact, my head out of my butt, and realize that if I didn't do something about the homeless veteran problem, 
from my experience that I'm basically adding to the problem. So two of my friends who are also veterans uh, joined, joined up with me and recreated We Got Your Six to use my experience to help other homeless veterans. And over the last five years, I've been working with different organizations and getting my resources together to be able to help the different veterans that I come across. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful when organizations are started out of the founder's personal experience. I think that is pretty, you know, um, common in the nonprofit world, but to, you see someone who was a veteran who was homeless. Um, and like you said, experienced the breakdown of the system, which I want to come back to in just a little bit. But um, once you were able to be helped out of that situation and back on your feet, turn right around and say, I'm going to do something about this problem. I think that's always such an inspiring story. Um, you know, with your story um, coming home and then experiencing uh, homelessness and then with that being just the, uh, there's a lot of that that's going on. And we'll talk about that just a little bit. Help some of us who, um, you know, aren't in the military, have never been, or maybe don't have family in the military. What is the common story of someone in the military coming home? And what are some of those unique challenges that those men and women face when they return? Well, it's going to be different for every veteran. Every male, it's going to be different for every male, different for every female. It's going to be different for everybody who had a different MOS. Because each branch has an MOS or a military occupational specialty that they do. Some of them put you in the line of fire. Some of them don't. So the situations are going to be different from person to person. You know, a person who's an infantry person or a tanker or, you know, somebody, a 13 Fox or somebody who goes out into the front lines shooting people and blowing people up and clearing buildings and having to destroy stuff and kill people is going to be different than somebody who works on vehicles or, you know, sits behind a desk and a computer all day. You know, experiences are going to be different. Now, I'm not taking anything away from anybody's job out there in the military. They're all equally important. They all serve a, a major function for how our military runs and operates. So to me, everybody has an important role. But like I said, the experience is going to be different from somebody who's out in actual combat versus somebody who never deploys or leaves a base. So the uh, challenges are really different because if you've gone into combat, you've seen people getting killed, you've had to kill people, that messes with your head a lot differently than if you never had that traumatic experience. So transitioning, you know, coming back from the military, when you've had those traumatic experiences, you have to go through counseling and uh Cope, learn different coping skills and things like that, where if you never did any of that, then you can just do a simple transition and find a civilian career. Where when you've had that kind of experience, it, it makes you a lot more harsh, a lot more aggressive sometimes. Uh, you handle people differently, you approach people differently, which can make it hard transitioning that behavior to civilian world because somebody says something the wrong way or looks at you the wrong way and you might snap. Employers, you know, have trouble dealing with some of the guys in the military because we are bred 
and conditioned differently. And sometimes it can come off as uh, aggressive. It can come off as standoffish. It can come off as problem problematic. And civilians don't know how to approach us sometimes. So, you know, therein lies another problem with trying to have that transition between not just a transition, but an understanding between civilian employers and military and civilians and military period. I honestly think if a, if a, if a employer wants to hire veterans, I think that they need to be trained on how to deal with veterans. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are, definitely difficult circumstances to come home to like you said it's it's a completely different uh kind of conditioning than what most civilians are are used to so having to reintegrate back into you know that community can be really difficult you know i i uh i pulled some uh statistics that are listed on your website that to me were were honestly pretty jaw-dropping i just want to read some of them here one in five homeless are one in five of all homeless people are veterans 91% 91% of homeless veterans are male, 98 of them, 98% of them are single, 76% live in a large metrop- uh, metropolitan city, 54% have a mental and or a physical disability. Black veterans are substantially overrepresented among homeless veterans, and they comprise 39% of the total homeless veteran population, while only making up 11% of the total veteran population. And then, and to me, this one is really staggering. Upwards of 22 veterans take their own life every single day because they have lost hope or they feel broken inside. I mean, those numbers, David, are, are staggering. And I, I, guess, I guess my only question is, why is this the case? What's happening in our systems that's leading to this level of veteran homelessness and suicide? Well, the thing is, there's no one cause. And so... You saw those statistics on my website. So those statistics were actually gotten from a report that comes out every year from the VA. It's called the challenge. It's called Project Challenge. And Project Challenge stands for Community Homelessness Assessment Local Education and Networking Groups. Mm. And it unites homeless service providers, advocates, veterans, and citizens who are concerned about the homeless veteran problem. And every year they do this report, it usually comes around out around July or August. And um, that's where I get all of my information from, is from that uh, report. In fact, I just see here that the 2020 numbers are available, so I need to get that. Um, but, you know, those numbers are really scary because, you know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, you see a lot of people out there that are claiming they're homeless veterans mm. because they think, Oh, if I use, a, use, if I say I'm a homeless veteran, I'm going to get more, I'm going to get more sympathy or things like that. You know, but if you're a veteran, you know, the questions to ask a veteran to tell if they're full of crap or not. <laughs> right. You know? It's funny, I was talking to somebody on Facebook the other, we were talking about this on Facebook the other day, and somebody asked a veteran if he had his cat card. Sure enough, he pulled a cat card out of his wallet. Now, 
for those who don't know, a cap card is uh, what we call a common access card. And when you're in the military, um, if you're going to log into a government computer, uh, you have this little uh, ID card that's got a little smart chip in it that has all of your DOD information on it. And you put this, you put this, uh, you put your cap card into the computer and it allows you to log on to government computers and have certain access. But he pulled out this, uh, this cat card and it was like, yep, okay, you're a veteran. But, um, you know, getting back to the statistics you're asking about stuff, you know, nine, you know, 91% of the homeless being veterans are male, uh, 98% are single, 76% uh, living in the metropolitan cities. You know, those are just, take into account, those are just the people that actually took the survey. Now, sometimes on these surveys, there's only maybe less, there's, I think the biggest survey I, I had was from back to like 2013, we had 7,000 people that took it. So when you take into account only 7,000 people took that survey, and this is done nationwide, 7,000 people out of all the people in the United States, and you see those are the numbers, gives you a better, a bigger, kind of a bigger idea of how big the picture really is. Yeah, I think that's what is so staggering about it. It just seems like such a, a huge uh, thing that uh, it doesn't quite get the airtime that, it, you know, we talk about homelessness a lot, but there's this subset that is just uh, incredibly overrepresented uh, of homeless veterans and, and suicide yeah. as well. You know, one thing you mentioned earlier um, was it, um, employers, if they wanted to employ veterans um, there, you know, it'd be helpful for them to go through a training of how do you engage with them? How do you talk with them uh, in order to help them uh, reintegrate into the workplace and society and all those different things? What other kinds of support do you think our veterans need when they come home to prevent all these things from being the case for them? Well, they've started a few years ago, they started doing transition programs to try and prepare, you know, people for reintegrating in society. But I really, they don't do enough of it and they don't, I don't think it's long enough. I honestly think at the six month mark before you ETS or before you ending time of service, uh, before your ETS date, six months before your ETS date, they should approach you and say, hey, uh, Ian, your time's getting, or, you know, specialist, Sergeant Harbor, uh, your, your enlistment time is getting ready to come to an end here in about six months. Have you decided whether you want to stay in or whether you want to, you know, get out of the military? If they say they want to stay in, then you're good to go. But you need to get a hard commitment from them. All right, if you're going to stay in the military, we're going to start processing your paperwork so that when it comes time, you can just sign your contract and continue on with your service. But if you are definitely going to get out of the service, we need to start your transition out now. So that transition out consists of preparing them on how to, on how to do proper job interviews, making sure they are mentally, emotionally prepared to re-enter into the civilian world. Maybe a slow transition from three days in uniform, you know, four days in uniform and three days in, you know, in a civilian setting, maybe with counselors or peer groups or something like that. Um, 
especially if they've had traumatic experiences, dealt with IEDs, have any disabilities, you know, things like that. Um, one of the other problems we have a lot of people with is people don't get their access to their disability. Um, you get injured in the military and you get out of the military and they kind of wash their hands of you. But you have so many people that have different disabilities. Like I've got a list of 833 disabilities that you can get from the VA. That wow. most people probably are not even aware of. Mm -mm. And I'm actually fighting to get my disability uh, raised up right now. But there, I have a list of 833 things that you can actually get disability from the VA for. And a lot of people don't realize a lot of the things that they can get disability for. So people need to be made aware of these things. They need to, but one of the things that they should do before they get out of the military is start that discharge paperwork and file. Okay, so you've had some disabilities. Let's get your disability filed now. So it starts when your military pay stops. Because it can take, you know, it can take upwards of 60 to 90 days sometimes to get that paperwork going. So get that paperwork for the disability file. Get it going. Get them enrolled in the VA system and make sure that their transition is done so that when their ETS date comes, it's a nice, smooth, easy transition to the civilian world. They already have it. Get them already lined up with a job. Get their disability lined up. Make sure they know where they're going to live. Make sure they have, you know, if they've got PTSD or other mental health issues, make sure they're set up with a counselor to be able to help them. Make sure they're hooked up with PTSD support groups. Make sure that they're hooked up with other veterans in the community that can help keep an eye on them and check on them. You know, that 22 veterans a day committing suicide, at least one third of those are homeless veterans who gave up because they couldn't get access to the resources that they needed. They couldn't get access to the mental health that they needed because there's so many people out there that need the mental health that they get lost in the shuffle, you know, but those are just a few of my ideas on things that we can do for people who are transitioning out of the military. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, there's, there's so much there. And I think that, um, you know, that, that kind of underscores the point of there's a lot of moving pieces to this, you know, and even what you said of um, starting that paperwork early so they can get uh, on their VA uh, sooner I, because it can take 60 to 90 days. I can see where that would be a big, a big hole where people could fall through, you know, if they don't, don't make it through that. Um, so, and the mental health access and, and knowing what is available for you and all those different things. I, I, I there's, there's, there's so many moving pieces there. It's such a big, uh, hole to fill and it seems like I mean moving on from that I mean tell me about we got your six what what are um, what does your program look like your organization look like to help these veterans in these circumstances so that they don't fall into those circumstances in the first place yeah. so a lot of your programs that are out there are about three to six month programs okay you have to take into account the average homeless veteran is homeless four to seven years Wow. Four to seven years. And the highest age category of the last, let's see, since 2013, so 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, eight years now. Highest category has been 45 to 60. Mm. That's my age. I'll be 45 in January. That's my age. That's the, 
Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, uh, Last of the Vietnam guys. You know, they're uh, falling into these categories. And we developed our program to be a, a one-stop shop, so to speak. You know, a lot of these homeless shelters, now I'm not saying that anything wrong with these homeless shelters out there, okay? I know they're all doing great. They're doing what they can with their resources and everything like that. But sometimes there's more people that need the resources than what the people at the centers can do for them. The sh uh, when I was homeless and I was in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, there was 90 homeless veterans in the shelter I was in. Wow. And that was just the ones in the in the veteran dorms. There was still veterans in the general population on a waiting list to get into the veteran dorms because they separated the veterans from the other homeless. They realized we had different needs and different uh, character traits. The veterans can keep veterans in check. <laughs> right. So they kept us separate. Uh, but when I went to the shelter, they gave me a list of resources and I had to get to the resources on my own. You don't have a car or reliable transportation. You got to get on a bus or use Uber or something. And some of these guys don't have jobs, so they don't have a way to get Uber. They'll get free bus passes from some of the shelters, but you still have to get to all of these different places. And you know, by the time you get there, there's a line, you have to take a number, you might not get seen. And I mean, you eventually just get frustrated. I mean, Ian, if I ever give you a list of resources, I had 20 things on it. Say, all right, Ian, here's your list of resources. If you need help, let us know. How many do you honestly think you would get to? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a difficult situation. You need someone to help you through that process. Right. So... What we are going to do is we are going to build four facilities here in Texas. One in San Antonio, one in Houston, and two here in Dallas. We're going to have one facility that's going to that's only going to be on about an acre of property. I'm actually trying to talk to with the city of Danton right now, trying to get a meeting with the mayor. I've got a project I can build for $530,000 and it goes on one acre of property. It's 21 solar powered tiny homes with a community center that has classrooms and offices and a rec room in it. So it would take 21 homeless veterans and we could wow. start and we could start the first phase of our heroes village, which is a two year, that's right, two year transition program. The first year of the program is solely focused on the veteran as a whole. So we do an intake with them. So Ian, I'll use you an example. You're my veteran. We have, you have to fill out a questionnaire, an application. We look, the application goes to the board. The board looks at it. And if we feel you're a good fit and like you're actually wanting to change your situation, we do a panel interview with you. Panel of you consists of my three board members, which are veterans, and my advisory board member, which is civilians. That way you have an even mix of civilian side and 
military side to be able to ask questions and get a good feel for where they're at as a whole, mentally, emotionally. And if they're a good fit for our program, we invite them in, we put, we take them to get a physical so we know what their physical limitations are because they're gonna have to do chores and stuff in order to earn their keep. So the first year of the program, like I said, is just centered around their development. So that first year is focused on helping them do job skill, job, get trade skills, interviewing, getting them uh, proper clothing and attire to be able to do interviews and get them, you know, set up with good clothing and get rid of some of the old clothing from their past and help them get rid of the, the past, helping them get access to counseling, substance abuse, alcohol abuse, psychological counseling, helping them then get connected with peer groups and things like that. So that first year is solely focused on development, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, if need be, and make sure that they've got a good core before we even try and do any type of transition into the community. Because if you don't have a good core, you're gonna crumble as soon as you get into the real world. We all know the real world is harsh, cruel, it will chew you up and spit you out and won't even think about it. They've already been beaten down, demoralized, and stigmatized into being worthless, drug addicts, lazy pieces of crap, so to speak, sorry. But we need to break those barriers, we need to break those walls down and rebuild them up with positive reinforcement and positive ideals and motivation and positive drive. I felt a good, a good solid year was a good time to do that because everybody's gonna have different barriers and different groundings, but we want people to grow together and develop that rapport, develop that bond and camaraderie like what we had when we were in the military as a unit. Second phase, is the transition phase. So transition phase is where we help them get a job and transportation in the community, and we start getting them money coming in. Now, the first year of the program is, go back to the first part. First part of the program is completely free to the veterans. All we wanted to do is have them focus on learning and getting better. They do have to do chores because we do want them to expect that there is no free rides. So they're going to have to do chores and they're going to have to do things around the property to earn their keep. Painting, maintenance, you know, things like that. But the second phase, you've been homeless for four to seven years. You've had no financial responsibilities or obligations. If we just take you and put you out in the real world and you have got all these bills start coming in, you've got money coming in, you've got bills coming in, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God. You know, you don't know, you get that deer in the headlight look and you don't always know how to cope with it and you're going to fail. It'd be really overwhelming. Exactly. So what we do, that second phase, they're still living with us, but we got to, now what we're doing is they've got money, they've got a job and they've got money coming in now. Now on the first, we start charging them rent, $500. On the 15th, they get charged $60 for utilities. That $560 a month goes into a savings account for that veteran. Now they can still pull money out of that account, 
but it's what we call a conservator a conservator's account so they can pull money out but they have to get we have to get they have to get permission from us to draw the money out so we are helping them we are helping them save money all right you need to go to the grocery store to get some stuff for your room that's fine here's a hundred dollars go get whatever you need rest of the money stays in the account so we can monitor it, track it, and make sure that they're actually saving money. So that 560 a month comes out for an entire year. The rest of the money goes into a savings account, like I said. But the 560 a month is in a special savings account that's accruing interest. And at the let's say we'll get down to 22nd month now, okay? So I'm gonna use you, Ian. Uh, you and I are gonna do a little role play here. Okay. All right, so Ian. Uh, You've been with us for almost two years now. We're getting to the point where it's about time for you to transition out of this, out of our program. But I want to know, Ian, how do you feel about your progress? Do you feel like you would be able to handle being out there on your own, getting to work and everything on your own successfully, or do you think you'd still struggle? Uh, you know, I'd probably feel better about where I came from, but would still uh, it, it, I'd be nervous. I think at a minimum, I would still feel nervous about what life ahead looks like. Okay. So let me ask you this, you know, we want to try and, you know, usually about this time of the program, we try and start transitioning you out to living on your own. What I'd like to do is let's do a test. Let me, let me get you a hotel room. Let me get you a hotel, a hotel room for a week. I want you to spend four nights a week here at the facility. And I want you to spend three nights and days at the hotel. What that's going to do is you still have the safety of knowing you have a, your bed here, but you're staying out there for three days on your own. You'll have a bed and everything. And I'd like you to do that for a week just to see how you adapt to being out there on your own. And of course, you know, Ian, if it doesn't work out there and you get, you know, you're not doing it, you come back here. Now, these four nights and three nights do not have to be all at once. You can do a night here, a night at the hotel. Night here, a night at the hotel. Night here, a night at the hotel. So you're not doing all three of your days in one concession so it doesn't become overwhelming. How's that sound, Ian? Yeah, I think being able to transition out, but knowing I have a, a fallback plan in case things don't work out, that'd be, that would be very comforting to me if I was in that situation. And something else, Ian, I want you to know something else that we do with you guys when you're getting ready to transition out. You know, what we would do is we would help you get an apartment or a house. Like if you wanna buy a house, let's say you're at a point where you wanna buy a house, you know, you've been with us for a year. Your credit should be great by now. We've helped you repair your credit and everything. Your credit should be golden. You know, we can get you. I, I've got lenders that can help you get into a house. Or if you would rather have an apartment at first, I've got real estate uh, agents that deal with rental properties. I've also got apartment locators. We can get you. We can help you get into an apartment. Again, I would want you to stay three nights there, four nights here, alternating back and forth until you're, you know, I want you to do that for a week. Then the next week you would spend more time at your place and less time with us. And by the end of the next two months, our goal is to have you staying in your apartment all by yourself, but knowing you still have this to come back to until you do your full graduation. 
Okay. So that's something I want you to keep in mind. Ian. That's what our ultimate goal is. So you always have your bed here until you graduate. But even, even after you graduate, we chose the name We Got Your Six for a reason because we have always got your back. So even after you leave here, for the first 90 days that you're with, that you're on your own out there, we're a phone call away. Hey, it's becoming a little overwhelming. Can I come back for a couple of days? Sure, come on back over. And that's how our program is going to work with our homeless veterans and transition them from being homeless to being able to be out there. Now that's our smaller facility. Our larger facilities are gonna be single soldier barrack style housing. So they'll be able to house about 400 people. So between all three of our facilities, we wanna be able to house close to about 1200 while we go through these programs. And obviously when it gets to be that, uh, that number of people, we will have to do uh, off, off site training so we will coordinate schedules with people and do off-site training where we will take them to a college and rent, you know, rent out one of their uh, dorms, or, you know, one of their classrooms that's not being used or something like that for a couple hours or something. Man, when you, you know, when you describe all of that, there's, there's so, it's so uh, thorough, <laughs> everything that you've thought through with your programs. Um, you know, when I when we go back to those statistics that we thought thought about earlier, um, the problem just seems so big and overwhelming and complex. But then when you uh, talk about the programs that you have and that you're developing, I it it genuinely brings me comfort knowing that something is being done that can actually make a difference in these people's lives. You know what I mean? Because it, it just it feels like there's so many moving parts that are going on. But here's this program that tackles all those those things you've you've thought through it you've been there yourself you know what's needed um and so you're able to come up with something that comprehensively takes care of these veterans and helps them reintegrate back into society um you know i i can imagine there's a lot of people who are listening to this who um i mean they're they're they maybe they um just care about the issue a lot or they they experience it firsthand because either they're a veteran or uh, their family members that are veterans and they I mean they want to get involved and they want to help out in some way um, with what you're doing helping these veterans if they wanted to do that how would they get involved in helping you and we got your six and and what what can they do well they can always go to wgy6.org and they can contact me through the contact us page on there they can donate through there and they, they're always welcome to send me an email at davidjordan at wgy6.org. They can send me an email and, you know, offer their help or questions or how they can get involved. You know, the website's always got a lot of up-to-date information on it as much as possible. And we always encourage people, especially our veterans, we always encourage our veterans to get involved because nobody understands a veteran's mind better than a veteran. So having veterans involved really helps out a lot. But then you have those patriots out there who they didn't serve, but they had family members that served. So they're dependents or they just have a soft spot for our military and they hate the fact that, you know, there's homeless veterans out there. We love having people get involved in what we do. And people can send me an email or they can contact me through our website. They can look me up on Facebook and contact me through Facebook. And 
I'm more than happy to talk to them or even if they have suggestions on something we can do to make the program better or how they could get, you know, let's say they want to, you know, invest. You know, we're always willing to talk to people and, you know, let them know what's going on. That's great. And then also, I know uh, there's the Patriot Sandwich Company. Is that correct? Yes. Where people can go and eat a sandwich and that supports you guys. Talk, talk about that for a second. So We Got Your Six does not get government funding. All of our money comes from private donations and fundraisers that I do. And the hardest part for me is when I have somebody contact me that needs some type of help and I don't have the money to help them. So I created Patriot Sandwich Company located in Denton, Texas to be a revenue source for We Got Your Six. Now, Patriot Sandwich Company is one of a kind. It is a fully military-themed sandwich shop. That's awesome. And what I mean by that is when you walk in, the walls are painted black and gold for the Army, blue and gold for the Navy, scarlet and gold for the uh, Marines, red, white, and blue for the Coast Guard, and blue and silver for the, uh, for the Air Force. And then I've got metal, the metal seals on the walls, and I've got pictures from every, every era of the military on those walls. So it's honoring every part of the military, all the way back to the military's creation. But we go a step further, and I have all of my tables are shadow boxes and have memorabilia inside of them. Wow. I've got memorabilia going all the way back to July 27th, 1891. That's incredible. I've got sands from Iwo Jima. I've got a bayonet taken off of a Turkish soldier during the war. I've got uniforms. I've got pictures. I've got ribbons and medals and stuff that people have given me. So when you walk in, you're walking into a miniature museum. But the thing is, it's not a it's not all famous people. It's people who served in the military just like you and me who wanted to share their military experience with the community. Mm. And then the menu itself is military themed. All of the sandwiches have a military term associated to them. The flying leatherneck, into the wild blue yonder, better than an MRE, pokey bait, queen of the high seas, in the trenches, private meatball. <laughs> you know, all, 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 References of military branches of the military. We actually have eight of our own custom sauces that I've created, and they're all named after bombs and missiles. But the the sandwiches, we actually marinate our own roast beef, turkey, and ham. We slice all of our own meat. It's done on deli style bread, so we actually take it back to the old deli style sandwich. And then you have the eight custom sauces to give you a unique flavor. There's over 156 different flavor combinations. Wow. But a portion of each purchase does get donated to We Got Your Six. So our slogan is changing the world one sandwich at a time. I love it. 
Because, Ian, how many times have you wanted to make a donation to a charity, but you just didn't have the extra money? Yeah, no, I mean, that that's common. <laughs> so now, all you have to do is go buy a sandwich. Right. But the great thing about it is the money all stays local. Because we got your sixes based in Denton, Texas. So not only are you helping support a local veteran-owned small business, but you're helping homeless veterans right here in your own community. I love that. I think that's one of the my favorite parts of it is, I mean, it's a, it's a locally veteran-owned company supporting a locally veteran-owned nonprofit that helps veterans. You know, I, I love that, especially, you know, served in, that's what we all love is being here local and seeing that impact happen right here in, in our community and lives changed in our community. Uh, man, David, it's been so good talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing about We Got Your Six. Um, I, I'm very excited for people to hear about it. Thank you for your service and, and your board members for your service to our country and um, just the way that you continue to serve um, veterans here in our community. It's, it's incredible. It's inspiring. I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for you and, and what you guys do. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. Uh, I appreciate the time and, you know, I appreciate you reaching out to me to be able to do this. And, you know, it's funny you said, you know, me continuing to serve. I may not be in the military anymore, but that oath I took on December 15, 2005, is still as true in my heart today as it was then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on, David. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for your time. And there you have it my conversation with David Jordan. Man, I love talking with someone who has overcome hardship and then turned right around to help others who are experiencing what they went through. For me, it's inspiring on every level. And if you found this conversation helpful, you can share it on your social media, share it with a friend or family member. And this week, if you are a veteran or if you have a veteran friend or family member, I just wanna say from Serve Denton, thank you. Thank you for your service to our country. Uh, you make this country what it is and it's amazing. And, and we thank you for what you have done for us. And maybe this week you can head on over to Patriot Sandwich Company and get a sandwich and support this nonprofit as they help homeless veterans right here in Denton County. And if you want to learn more about Serve Denton, what we do, our mission and vision, and our partners, and everything that's going on here at the Serve Denton Center on Loop 288, you can find more about us on our website at servedenton.org. That's servedenton.org. I'll be back next week with another conversation like this one. But until then, thanks for listening, and I will see you next week.